Hello and welcome back to another episode of the OGV Community Catch-Up, a podcast where we shine a light on the companies within our OGV community and try and make the sector more accessible to everyone looking to get involved. I'm today's host, Andrew Tyndall, and I'm delighted to be joined by David Jameson, who is founder of Salus Technical. How are you doing today, David? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, always good to hear. So um, let's, uh, let's get straight into it then. Uh, what does your company do? Just give me a sort of general overview. Yes, well, our company is called Salus Technical, and we help our customers to understand and manage the risks from major accidents. Uh, and we do that by offering three complementary services. So we offer process safety engineering support. Uh, we've got a range of training courses. And now we've got uh, a few um, software packages, the first one being uh, Bowtie Master. So that's an online software package, and that allows our customers to visualise the risk and then to easily communicate that risk with their so do you want to tell me a bit more about Bowtie Master? Yes, so process safety, which is what we all do to prevent major accidents, can be very complicated. And quite often we do risk assessments uh, and they're presented in a tabular form. And um, so what a Bowtie diagram can do is that's a really, uh, easy, it's a really easy way to visualise that risk in a way that everyone can, un- can understand. And perhaps some of the risks or what you do to prevent incidents jumps out at you a lot easier um, in a Bowtie diagram. So what we've done with Bowtie Master is we've made that as easy as we can um, to build a Bowtie diagram. So it's online. You can access it from any device. You can have as many users as you like logging in. We've we've made it talk to other pieces of software, um, including some of your own internal software. Uh, And every Bowtie, for example, has got a live share link. And that means that you can send that to anyone, you know, so that so that everyone can get involved with process safety. Yeah, that's really good. And there's um there's a good tagline I found on your website, and it says um process safety should be straightforward. Uh, how important do you think it is to keep things easy to understand and not to use too much sort of technical jargon? Oh, absolutely. And there's huge benefits in demystifying things uh, like um, process safety. You know, um, m- most people with jobs today, you know, then there can be uh, lots of uncertainty. You get lots of emails. There's lots of things to do. But in major hazard industries like oil and gas, for example, we're also asking them to focus on process safety and process safety is very it's very complicated it's a very complex subject so anything that can be done to demystify that and make it more accessible uh, you'll see lots of benefits if you yeah yeah absolutely so is most of your business being conducted in oil and gas and, and if not then what other sort of disciplines are you involved with yeah well it's a mixed bag you know our consultancy yeah that's predominantly oil and gas and petrochemical and um, but our but our software side so obviously that's just bowtie master just now we're seeing that used in lots of different um, lots of different industries. You know, we've got some uh, cybersecurity, we've got marine, um, you know, and we're speaking to companies in like in like lots of different industries. So that's 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 excellent to see that some of the um, you know tried and tested process safety um, techniques from oil and gas are now being transferred to other industries. And uh, you're based in Aberdeen. Is that where a lot of your business is conducted? I'd say on the consultancy side, I'd say yes, about half of our business is in Aberdeen and the rest is across the rest of the UK. But on the software side, you know, we've got customers in Brazil, in the Middle East, in New Zealand and Australia. So, you know, our software certainly, you know, we have um, customers all over the globe. So uh, what about the consultancy side of your business? What what do you offer there? Yeah, well, um, Myself and I've got a my um, I've got a colleague who works with me as well. You know, we between us both have we've each been in the industry for over ten years, so we can help our customers to 
facilitate risk assessments, you know, such as hazards and hazops. We can also help them navigate some of the UK offshore safety regulations as well. Uh, and we're helping some of the newer entrants to the market offshore to like develop some of their, you know, um, safety and environmental management procedures that they need as well. Okay. So Salus has been around now for a few years. Uh, what sort of challenges have you faced since starting up and, and how have you overcome them? Yes, we've faced uh, lots of challenges since starting up. Um, you know, getting that initial growth and traction can always be very difficult. Um, and certainly, you know, our biggest challenge that we faced was, you know, um, just over a year ago when the pandemic first struck, you know, we had a six month consultancy order book that was wiped out almost overnight. Um, so when things like, like when things like that happen, you know, you have to change, you have to adapt and react. Um, and yeah, it's been, uh, you know, certainly a very difficult last 18 months to navigate. So what about the uh, what about the training? What do you offer there? Yes, well, in my experience, um, the, it's not about training the, the um, safety professionals. It's about all of the non-safety professionals, people who've got lots of other things to focus on too. So our training is about um, raising awareness of major accidents, the, the importance um, that, uh, that everyone has uh, in preventing them. And what we find there is that you know, by demystifying that, by making everyone more aware, you'll get a lot more buy-in and, and engagement. So I'd say overall, we're trying to increase the competence of everyone in major accident awareness. And, you know, and we're seeing some excellent results with that too. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. I mean, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go on with that a little bit with uh, in terms of um, some of the training and the, and the pandemic and effect on that, but I just want to go on to um, on just how the pandemic has affected what you do as a company. So can you just tell me about a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, as I said in a previous answer, we had a six month consultancy order book that was wiped out overnight. So what that meant was we had to fast track our plans for software development. That was always something that we were planning to do. Um, and uh, this time last year, that obviously became, you know, um, that, that became accelerated. So we launched our first software product, Bowtie Master, in November 2019. And we've got a second software product that's coming soon that's related to human factors and that will be uh, launched at you know in a few months time so um yeah that was the biggest impact of our pan of our pandemic was um fast tracking software but then also we had to keep our uh, consultancy business going as well but um happy to report that that's now recovered and is back to the level that it was pre-pandemic yeah absolutely so um have you been working remotely for the past year and have you found that Yes, um, you know, on the consultancy side, we would embed ourselves in our uh, customers' offices where possible. So obviously, we haven't been doing that since March last year. So we've worked almost entirely remotely since then. Um, and y yes, it can be quite a challenge, as I'm sure everyone has to um, to work remotely. You know, I've probably spent like three quarters of every day either in Microsoft Teams or in Zoom, which can be quite difficult. Um, but we're getting there and we're starting to see you know, some face-to-face -face meetings uh, coming now and hopefully it won't be long before, you know, we've got a blend hopefully of uh, of home and remote working, but also, you know, face-to-face -face interaction with our customers. Yeah. Has that remote working changed the way that you interact with clients? Absolutely. Um, we, when I facilitate risk assessments, you know, such as HAZOPs and HAZEDs, my experience was very much is that, you know, you'd get a feel for how the room felt about certain things and you could, you know, uh, it was much easier to like bounce ideas off each other. Um, 
it's been possible, but we've had to adapt and change how we do these things when it's all remote and you can't see everyone's uh, face. So achieving that, you know, that, that same high standard of uh, safety in these meetings remotely has proved very difficult. Um, and it's something now I think that we're all, that we're all used to. And I, yeah, and I'm happy to say that I think we like absolutely can do these things to the same standard as we did before the pandemic. And going forward, you know, lots of these big exercises, big risk assessments, there'd be a lot of people travelling from all over the UK or Europe or even further afield. So I think now that it's proven that it can work, I think we might see a mix going forward that there will be a lot of, you know, virtual remote risk assessments that take place now. And that's become the norm. But as I would have said, pre-2019, that's not something that, that anyone was really doing. Okay. So just going forward, has the um, the pandemic created a sort of increased need for safety engineering? I would say so, yes. Um, <clears throat> um, if we look historically in the oil and gas industries, um, you'll find that um, lack of investment, uh, maintenance backlog, etc. You know, they are pre- they are precursors to quite a lot of process safety incidents. Now, these tend to occur in periods of low, uh, sorry, after periods of low commodity prices, but you know. With the pandemic, you know, with the ever-changing landscape, you know, I, I, energy landscape, I do wonder, um, and I worry if we are now in that situation where um, it might be more likely that process safety incidents uh, do uh, do take place. Yeah. As I've said, you know, uh, maintenance backlog, lack of investment. We know that there's other external influences, like um, it's been recently reported of the potential skills gap with some of the key personnel offshore. Um, so I think if anything, it's going to make um, a process safety incident a major accident more likely to occur. So therefore, you know, I, f- I feel that, um, you know, that we should um, rem- that we should remain focused on reducing uh, the risks of a major accident from taking place. Yeah, that certainly makes some of the uh, some of the the, the, uh, the offerings of your company invaluable in the industry. Um, so, yeah. So uh, so just going forward there. Uh, on the environment, what is your company doing to become more environmentally sustainable? Yeah, so, you know, obviously we work entirely remotely now, which reduces our carbon footprint. The software that we've developed, that's all cloud-based. Uh, so cloud-based software has a far lower environmental footprint than than the than the equivalent on-premises solutions. Um, and that's something that we're going to continue to look out for and monitor as Salus expands that that we can that we can maintain that yeah so uh the energy transition is a big thing and uh and obviously it's put forward a few sort of safety issues within the industry and that's existing industries and also sort of emerging sectors how are you looking to address these issues you know sort of things like carbon capture geothermal uh, hydrogen that kind of thing yeah so i feel very strongly that the energy transition shouldn't cost us any lives and that we should remain focused on industries such as oil and gas and petrochemical on minimising risk there. But we also want to make sure that these emerging and developing markets, you know, such as geothermal, such as carbon capture, um, that use that might use some existing oil and gas infrastructure. We want to make sure that we don't have any major incidents in these industries either. And therefore, what we do at Salus, our software products certainly you know they can be used in any major hazard industry any industry where there's the potential for a major accident 
and we're hoping that we can learn the lessons from oil and gas and apply those to the new industries. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And uh, would you say that sort of improving all this safety, there's, there's definitely like an environmental benefit to that? Absolutely. You know, and, uh, you know, with good planning, safety and, and environment, they go they go hand in hand. And likely if you're doing something, you know, um, that's proactive on the safety front, you'll also be helping the environment too. Um, so absolutely, that's something we found with Salas, but also found in my experience working before is that, you know, safety, uh, you know, very much works hand, works hand in hand with environment yeah yeah so just going on with the energy transition are there any other challenges that it, you think it's put forward and, and how do you deal with them we've seen recent uh, news pieces that talk about you know how like now like most uk adults would like us to stop investing and stop exploring in oil and gas we've also seen other ones about a skills gap in oil and gas and although we're you know completely um supportive of the energy transition it does go back to what i say as about that as we transition away from oil and gas, we have to make sure that we maintain our high standards of safety and you know, that we don't have more incidents as a result of a lack of investment or taking our eye off the ball uh, safety. So as long as we're protecting the lives of people who work offshore, then as we transition, I feel it's important that we protect the lives of people offshore, you know, and even if we were to stop everything right now, it's still going to be, you know, many, many years before we'll have no one working offshore. So. All right, perfect. So just uh, just to sort of to finish off this last section, uh, what advice would you give to graduates and people, young people who are looking to make a career in the energy sector? Well, as we've discussed, the energy industry is very fluid right now, you know, and we've got varying estimates of what that energy mix and what the industry will look like in 10, 20 or 30 years time. Um, I would encourage any graduates to keep an open mind and um, to keep their options open. Um, but having said that, I wouldn't worry if where they're working right now or where their first job is, if it's not exactly where they'd like to be. You know, as someone who's worked in aerospace and motorsport, oil and gas, now looking at software, you know, I know that a lot of the skills that you pick up, they are transferable, you know, to other industries or other, you know, sectors within an industry. What I'd also say as well, you know, is that there's never been a time where there's more freely available information out there, you know, with like podcasts and webinars. So, you know, I, I would encourage any recent graduate to keep investing in yourself, you know, keep educating yourself because, um, you, you know, you're your most important asset. Yeah, that's definitely some good advice. You talked there about um, transferable skills. Are there anything... Is there anything specifically that you look for when you're trying to bring people onto your company or you look for in, in graduates? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and um, we've very recently um, taken on a um, recent graduate who's going to come with us uh, on a summer placement, you know, and I'd say is um, absolutely, you know, um, maybe you do want to, you know, see that in like, the, like sound educational background but as well as that you want to see a, willing, a willingness to learn to be curious to try new th things which I'd certainly say something that um, I've noted over the last year is the quality of applicants that we get is very high which is really good to see you know there's uh, new gr graduates doing lots of things that would have you know that absolutely um, blow like my, my performance out of the water when I was that age so you know that's that's like really exciting to see yeah that's definitely good to hear so 
you founded uh, Salus Technical in 2015. So you're somebody who sort of successfully started a business in, in this sector. Is there anything, is that something you'd recommend to a young person to do, like starting a business? And if so, what advice would you give? And do you think now is a good time with the pandemic and everything? Well, I'd say that there's never been a better time to start a business. You know, there's so much change occurring across so many different industries. You know, even if you look at our own, you know, we've got a digital transformation occurring at the same time as an energy transition. And obviously now we've thrown in the new ways of working caused by the pandemic. So wherever there's change, there's opportunity. So because of that, I think this is a great time to start a business. In terms of advice, you know, I'd say maybe uh, a few things to like note is that it can sometimes be quite difficult to find, but there's lots of support out there from the Scottish government, whether that's in the form of, you know, um, time with experts, whether it's grant funding or business accelerators or things like that. There's lots out there. Um, what I'd say is if you are starting a business, certainly have as many conversations as you can with your customers or indeed your potential customers. I uh, checked this morning and I've had over 80 meetings about my Bowtie Master software. Um, it's, very, it's been very tough to like do, but then because of that, I'm confident that I know a lot about my customers' concerns and the features that are important uh, to them. And finally, I'd say, you know, don't give up. You know, it was incredibly tempting in the first few months of the pandemic last year just to pack it all in and go back to trying to find a job. But I'm very glad that I stuck with it. So, you know, I'd certainly say don't give up, yeah. I guess, um, you know, young people spend a lot more time, you know, with, with technology and online. So I guess maybe they're well-placed to uh, to embrace that stuff coming out of the pandemic. Absolutely. You know, when I've said that about, you know, there being so much change right now, yes, lots of the like young people that I know, you know, they 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 embrace that change and they seem to be able to adapt very quickly, you know, and uh, that, that's something that I think is hugely important. You know, it's a hugely important asset to have right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, thanks a lot for talking to me, David. It's, uh, it's always good to hear some expert opinions on things. And I've certainly learned quite a lot about, you know, what goes into safety engineering. And I'm sure the listeners will have, uh, will have learned a, you know, a great deal from that. So, uh, yeah, thanks for talking to me. No, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Um, yeah, thanks. So uh, where can people find uh, Salus Technical on social media and online? Yeah, so you can find us, uh, our website is salus-technical.com um, and uh, you can contact me at david.jameson at salus-technical.com uh, and yeah, you can find us on the usual social channels such as Twitter and LinkedIn and we've got a YouTube channel as well. All right, well, uh, we'll be sure to include all the relevant links in the uh, podcast description and of course you can find us on ogb.energy. Uh, for all the latest news, events, podcasts, that kind of thing. So we'll be back next time with another member of our ever-growing OGB community. Enjoy your week and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.